Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Upper 90. I'm Sam Kolb. Glad to be back talking all things Premier League with you on the WMUC Sports Network of Podcasts. Been a minute since the last episode, but I'm back today to break down everything that happened during the festive fixtures period of the Premier League season. And I'll be talking about Chelsea's fall from grace, Man United's ascension up the Premier League table, and as well as uh, some of the COVID issues plaguing the Premier League right now, specifically Aston Villa. And, and I'll give some of my thoughts on how the FA should handle COVID going forward. And then finally, uh, I'll get into some of the transfer news that is swirling around the league right now. It's January. It's a busy time in the Premier League season. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into it. All right, we're going to start off this episode with some of the recent transfer news coming out. It's it's coming uh, real fast right now as we, uh, we get into the middle of January. Every club is making deals. A lot of outgoing transfers, this is what um, I've, I've kind of talked about in the previous episodes. You know, just like every other uh, sports league and, and, and club across the world, uh, you know, these Premier League teams are struggling to make re- revenue with no fans in the stands. Um, so, you know, loaning out a lot of players, potentially uh, even even selling some of their, uh, you know, middle tier guys is, is definitely a possibility for this window. And we've already seen that even from uh, some of the bigger Premier League clubs. No, no better place to start, though, than Manchester United. And they've probably been the most active Premier League club, I'd say, in this window. Uh, their big incoming transfer is Ahmad Diallo from Atalanta. He's an 18-year-old winger, really uh, a project, I'd say, for Ole to work on. He's not a guy like Bakayo Saka who can just come right in and excel in the the Premier League. Uh, he, he's, he's only made five appearances um, in Syria A before coming over to England. So, you know, it's going to take some time for him to get adjusted. Um, and, you know, but but his raw skills are there. His, he's got great speed. I watched um, an Atlanta game a couple of, uh, of months ago where he was playing. And, uh, you know, he's he's quick off on the ball. He can really add some pace to, that, to a Man United squad that, um, you know, sometimes has has lacks in that department. But uh, again, you know, he's he's a guy who's not going to make an impact, I'd expect, uh, for a couple more years. Outgoing transfers for Man United, the big one, Timothy Fosu-Mensa, has been with the club for a while now, but has only made one Premier League appearance this season. He's on to Bayer Leverkusen. It's a good fit for him. The The Bundesliga is a slight step down, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he ends up in the Premier League again. He's a good player, but just uh, you know hasn't hasn't had enough time, enough playing time that is to uh, to develop uh, and and reach his ceiling quite yet. And again, at at Leverkusen, I'm sure he'll have that opportunity. Another big outgoing transfer move was made by West Ham. They sold uh, one of their better forwards uh, on the season, Sebastian Heller, to Ajax on a permanent basis. Um, this one came as a surprise to me because I thought. He had actually played pretty well. I know at times he he lacked concentration uh, for for the Hammers, but you know you could definitely see signs that he was progressing. He's 26, so I understand the move from West Ham. He had been at the club for a couple seasons and wasn't producing uh, to to where it seemed West Ham wanted him to be, and and they decided to move on. They have a lot of young talent coming up through their ranks, so 
you know, the, the move is, uh, the move was needed, I guess, in their mind. The fee was, uh, I, I believe, around 23 million euros, 20, yeah, 22.5 million euros. West Ham bought him from Frankfurt for 45 million euros. So, you know, they lose about, about 20 million euros for uh, one of their better players this season. So, um, you know, I, I guess they're playing the, the long game in a sense. They're hoping that with the money that they get back from the Hilaire move, they can invest it in their youth. And going forward, uh, they can get a lot better. I mean, West Ham have already had a great season. Uh, they, they have, a, you know, a really young squad that is just going to get better with time. And, and so it's clear they wanted to move on from some of their older players. Arsenal, too, have been making some outgoing transfer uh, moves here in the past couple weeks. Mostly, or I think all loan deals pretty much. Um, Kalazanac loaned to Schalke. Saliba loaned to Nice. Um, expected moves, I'd say. Saliba is, is a really good young talent. Arsenal bought him, uh, I think, last summer or the summer before. Um, and uh, he just never got any playing time with Arsenal. It seemed like Mikel Arteta was never going to play him this season. It's a smart. It's smart to just send him out to loan back to League One, where he started his career. And then Klasnac. I mean, they're going to sell him eventually. Schalke is uh, is is not playing really well. Is not doing really well right now in the Bundesliga. Um, but at least he'll get some time there. I figured they'd just sell him in this window, along with Mesut Ozil, who's certainly on the way out. But uh, they'll they'll do a loan for now, and then I'm sure in the summer or maybe next January they'll get him off the books. Speaking of Arsenal, uh, the the whole Mesut Ozil situation, as I just said, has has reached ahead. You know, he's not he's not playing for Arsenal ever again. It would seem, um, and he said a couple of days ago in an interview that he's either going to Turkey or the United States. Uh, you know, as as an American, I'm sure that 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 would be really exciting to see him play in the MLS uh, with with whatever with whatever club uh, he would sign for, because he's still uh, he's still got some game left. I mean, that's for sure. And if he goes to Turkey, he's gonna he's gonna be one of the best players um, in the Super League there, the Turkish Super League. So he'll be on the move, I'm sure, at some point in this window. Um, what other players? Diego Costa. Now, this has been a a topsy-turvy situation, it seemed at first. Arsenal were, were guaranteed he's going to Arsenal. Then Tottenham stepped in. A couple other clubs have been vying for him. It's kind of an unknown at this point uh, where he's going to end up. You know, um, he's he's getting up there in age, that's for sure. So whatever, whatever club takes him on has to be wary um, of how sustainable his play is for the future. But the uh, the latest news is basically just that there there are several clubs who are vying for his services. Man United are involved, Leicester, uh, City, quite a few clubs. So um, it's likely this will this saga will extend throughout January. And then finally, Deli Alley, uh, he's going to PSG. I mean that that seems certain. At some point, most likely in January, Pochettino wants to play wants to get him over to France at some point. Pochettino, obviously, uh, the, the new manager over at PSG. So, uh, you know, that deal is going to happen. Fabrizio Romano just reported like two minutes ago that um, that a loan deal is possible between Tottenham and PSG because Delhi just, he, he wants to get out of Tottenham. He's not getting playing time, and Mourinho uh, clearly doesn't have him in his plans. You can you can just, you can see that uh, pretty clearly. He's only played really in, in, in cup matches, 
and uh, very sparsely in the Premier League. So Delhi will be on the move to PSG, and uh, if it's a loan, I'm sure there will be a clause in there for a permanent transfer. It just seems like, you know, he was he was such a good player for for the first couple of years at Tottenham, and since then, like a lot of young stars, he's kind of fallen off the map a little. And uh, in a Tottenham squad that is that could need that needs some youth. Um, or at least some 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 energy that Delhi has provided in the past. You know he's just not delivering it right now, and and uh, I think it's best that they just part ways. I would also like to uh, quickly touch on the the coronavirus issues surrounding the Premier League. It's 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 been bad. Um, Eighty new cases in the past uh, I think two weeks from uh, players and staff. Uh, multiple matches have been postponed. Tottenham versus Aston Villa just. Uh, just two days ago, I think, was announced as postponed. It was supposed to happen, I think, today or yesterday. Um, anyway, but, you know, it's it's becoming a serious issue in the Premier League. And I know a lot of American sports leagues have have tried to push through and, and in some cases have done so successfully. But uh, the, uh, the UK government just discovered a new strain of the coronavirus. Um, their protections and their laws are a lot different over there. It's, it's a lot looser surrounding the coronavirus right now. And, and a lot of that has to do with the simple fact that people are more willing to, uh, to you know, wear PPE and, and follow the government guidelines. But, you know, I, I think at this point, suspension of the season is the right move. Sam Allardyce, the manager of West Brom, kind of alluded to uh, to the need for suspension uh, in an interview um, a couple of days ago, just saying, you know, it's not just the players who are at risk. It's also the managers, the team personnel, the players' families, you know, there's 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 a long there's an out, uh, outward reaching branch of of danger that uh, that comes with continuing to play this season without any type of break or suspension, and this isn't even including the fact that with with all these postponements, the schedule is just getting more cramped and and, and condensed, and that leads to player injury, fatigue, and all this other all these other problems. If if the season is suspended and the end date of the season is pushed back into June, I think that's the best. Uh, course of action moving forward the FA needs to be proactive on this issue or else you know the 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 danger and the consequences could be far-reaching and uh you know it, it's I love the Premier League as much as the as the next guy but at a certain point um we got to think about what's best for the players and and their families and the staff and and everyone else so yeah you know suspension of the season it sucks but at this point, in my opinion, it's the right move. All right, let's jump into some of the recent results. I'm kind of going to do a broader uh, uh, overview of different clubs this week instead of going match by match just because I haven't done an episode in a bit. I think, uh, I th- you know, there's no better place to start than Chelsea, um, who have really fallen off in, in the past couple weeks since I did a lot, did uh, my last episode, you know, they just lost to Arsenal 3-1. But you you figured, you know, they came next week they had Aston Villa and you figured, you know, they'd be able to bounce back from that and uh, and get back on form and at a time when they really couldn't afford to drop matches with the way Man United are playing, Man City and, and Leicester City, Everton, you know, there are clubs it's so close at the top now. Chelsea really couldn't afford to drop points at Aston Villa, and they did. 1-1 draw, they gave up. They went ahead early on an Olivier Giroud goal and then gave one right back up to El Ghazi. And throughout that entire match, I, I was just thinking, you know, they they just don't look 
they don't look like themselves. This isn't the energized um, Chelsea squad that you know we saw in November when they were battering up Sevilla um, 4-0 and, and doing really well in the Champions League. Listen, they, they can still turn things around, but uh, you know they lose again last week to Man City uh, 3-1. And they're now sitting eighth or ninth place, I think, actually now with with uh, the results that happened a couple of days ago. Yeah, ninth ninth place. That's not good. I mean, they're sitting on twenty six points, ten behind Man United, who have thirty six at the top. I mean, here here's my thoughts on Frank Lampard because I know that's kind of been the talking point among Chelsea fans recently. That that Lampard out calls are just growing and growing with the recent results. I think a lot of people were against him from the start just because he's an inex- inexperienced manager who's trying to build a squad with these with you know uh, uh, multiple 50 million plus uh, uh, pound signings and that's difficult for any manager much less a guy who's only been managing in the Premier League for a year and a half <clears throat> sorry um, so you know that was always a concern for for Chelsea fans like myself. How would Frank Lampard handle the pressure? And so far, you know, it's it hasn't been terrible. I mean, again, they they had that that stretch where they I think uh, seven, eight or nine match unbeaten streak among in all competitions, and they got to top of the table at one point before slipping back down. And it's just consistency that that needs to be seen from Chelsea. And also, uh, the biggest issue with Frank Lampard right now is his tactics and his his. Um, his stubbornness, I guess, with his tactics. You know, he has he has a plan A and, and doesn't really have a plan B at this point. And, uh, you know, he, he loves to utilize the wings uh, with, with uh, you know, Ch- uh, Chilwell and James and Pulisic, Ziyech, Havertz, whoever's at the top. He, he loves to play out wide. And, you know, that has its benefits at times. Uh, but, but a lot of, you know, often it just leads to an in-swing ball into the box that uh, doesn't find a head. And you look at Chelsea's personnel, Christian Pulisic is not, you know, is not a, a established aerial threat. Timo Werner, I'm not sure if I've ever even seen him head a ball into the box. That's just, or head a ball in the box. That's just not his skill set. He, he likes to work through the middle and run with the ball before, you know, maybe uh, distributing into the box to one of the wingers. It's just not, it's not their skill set unless... Lampard is willing to play Olivier Giroud on a almost daily basis, which at this point he hasn't been willing to. Then there, then then this tactic that Lampard has just isn't working. Um, you know that's that's one issue, and I think if you're going to call for Lampard out, you have to look at his tactics as as the number one reason why, because they just haven't been good enough. The best managers in the Premier League. Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, they're able to adapt. They always have that plan B in case the plan A doesn't work. And right now, Lampard hasn't been able to adapt. Chelsea haven't played a league match now in 11 days. They play Fulham this weekend. I'm, I'm going to watch that game hoping for for a different style of play because right now the Blues need it badly if they want to take points away uh, uh, in this over the weekend. Because they're slipping ninth, and they got West Ham right on their heels. Even Arsenal, right now, who are actually playing right now, nil nil, uh, as I as I'm recording this against Crystal Palace. You know, even even Arsenal are, are catching up on them, and we know how poorly Arsenal started the season. So, it's 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 a dire time right now for Chelsea. And I'll say this: if if Lampard can't pull, turn things around in the next couple of weeks, 
he's gone. Whether whether you think uh, think he should be fired or not, he's going to get sacked if Chelsea don't turn things around. That's just uh, the the way that um, Roman Abramovich operates. He has a quick trigger with his managers, and he's not nothing's going to change just because Frank Lampard is a club legend. As a manager, he's got to be better in this stretch because they need him to be better if if um if Chelsea want to get back into the top 4 race which in my opinion with with the amount of money they spent over the summer it's a necessity you can't you can't finish outside of the top 4 right now if you're Chelsea you just can't so if Abramovich decides that Lampard isn't the guy to uh to lead them to the top 4 to the Champions League then then uh yeah you know he's got to pull the trigger and uh, and find a better manager as I finish up uh, talking about Chelsea here, you know, I'll just say one more thing about about the squad, and that's that's you know the players also have to improve. Um, you know, especially the uh, the veterans of this squad have to step up, and specifically Angolo Conte, I think he's been poor throughout this season. He's still he's still a great talent, and you know, in certain games, uh, he, he shows why he's so valued by the Chelsea fan base and and the management. But his passes have not been great. His defense—he commits a lot of silly fouls that that lead to opportunities. Uh, you know, against Arsenal, I believe it was his foul that led to the Xhaka free kick goal. And uh, you know, he—he hasn't played as well as he needs to for this team. You know, uh, uh, looking at the defense, I think the defense has been mostly good, but it's just here and there where there's lapses of concentration from Kurt Zuma and even Thiago Silva at rare moments. I still think the back line is significantly improved. There's no question about it. And Edward Mendy has a lot to do with that. But even but, but Mendy has struggled too. I mean, he's given up uh, multiple near-post goals in the past couple matches that he just shouldn't be giving up, that a more maybe a more experienced goalkeeper knows to defend the near-post a little bit better against, uh, against these Premier League squads. But it's just an all-around, uh, uh, you know, disappointing stretch. When, when we, we saw how good this Chelsea squad can be in November, we saw the potential. And at that point, you know, all they really had to do was maintain a, a decent run of form. They didn't need to be beating, um, you know, the Liverpools and the Tottenham's to stay in that top four race. But then when you drop points to Aston Villa and, and Man City in consecutive weeks, you're going to slip in this table. That's just how it is. And Southampton and, and some of these other clubs are, are just waiting for Chelsea to fall for them to take their places in in the top 10, top 4 whatever it may be. So uh you know uh, the Blues cannot take this situation lightly because you drop far down enough in this Premier League season, you're not going to be able to climb your way out and I know as a Chelsea fan I'm a little bit concerned still confident though that they can turn this thing around and and beating Fulham this weekend it will certainly be a huge step uh, uh towards getting back into form. Looking at the other side of the Premier League table, Manchester United are on one hell of a run. I mean, since uh, since November 1st, they have not lost a game in the Premier League. And for a club that was seemingly in turmoil with a manager who didn't really have the players back, who uh, had pretty basic tactics, and it looked like United were just going to drop through the table... They've uh they've had a resurgence here and have found themselves not at the bottom of the table but at the very top in first place ahead of Liverpool and Man City. Ole has really turned around that club. I gotta give him credit. You know I was one of the the 
people who thought Ole should have been sacked a long time ago, that he just wasn't the right man for the job. But uh, the way he's inspired these players to continue to fight, the way he's, uh, I, I think he's been brilliant with his selection recently, starting Bailey instead of Van de Beek, uh, uh, you know, have, uh, creating an increased role for Edinson Cavani. He's made some really good decisions. And, you know, this is a, a Manchester United team with new life. And, uh, you know, especially with all the, the Paul Pogba stuff a couple weeks ago, things were dire and, and he's managed to to keep uh, keep the club going. And um, again, you know, haven't lost a match since November 1st. They did have a close match against Burnley this weekend, 1-0. It was pretty tight throughout most of it. Uh, Dean Henderson was was really great in goal, keeping Manchester United in the match, and then they finally broke through. Paul Pogba with a brilliant volley into the back of the net to give United the lead, and it can you know he's he's so essential to what they do, which is why I was surprised when all the transfer rumors are coming out. I know he's you know there 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 are signs that you know he's not uh, perfectly content with the situation at United, but he's essential to that squad, and he adds a lot of energy in the midfield that. Uh, that if taken away could really hurt the club. So you know, yeah, he's not he's not going anywhere in January, at least until the summer. Uh, he'll he'll be at Man United. Bruno Fernandez is playing brilliant. Edinson Cavani again, brilliant. Uh, Marcus Rashford has has picked things up after a somewhat slow start to the season. I'd say Anthony Martial is is the only guy who uh, who really hasn't hit a good run of form quite yet. He has been dealing with some injury, but um, maybe maybe because of that, he just hasn't looked like his normal self uh, this season. But you know, going forward, I think Man United are, are going to be in that title race. I'm not sure how you can say they're not going to be. That the the talent on their squad is there. It just seems like for the past you know what is it like eight months, they just haven't had the chemistry right, and they've they've shown signs of life. And maybe this is a fleeting. A good stretch of form we don't really know but you have to be confident about this squad going forward if you're a Man United fan because they just look really good right now and they're getting results against good teams just like any other title contender they still have to be able to beat Liverpool and Man City uh, they drew with Man City earlier in the year so they've shown that they can hang around with those clubs that are expected to be in the title contention uh, you know Man City and Liverpool namely, but, you know, going forward, it's it's just a consistency issue with, with United at this point. They've got to stay, they've got to stay resilient, they've got to stay consistent, and most of all, and, and, and most importantly, I'd say for the club, they got to stay fit, because one injury can really derail this squad. If Bruno Fernandes goes down, even if Rashford goes down, it's going to, it's going to be a major blow to the team, so we've got a long way left in the season, but the last time United were this high in the table in January. They won the Premier League title, so that that's worth that's worth noting. This uh, they're 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 in a really good spot right now to to finish top, and it's just all about keeping that consistency level high and getting results in the match, getting good results in the matches that they need to win. Looking at Tottenham, who have had a, a suddenly mediocre season. Up to uh, and now it's looking like after a pretty good start, you know, um, they they dropped points to Fulham this weekend in a game that, in my opinion, they didn't play very well in. 
they were outplayed by Fulham uh, for most of that match. They score an early goal with Harry Kane, which is uh, which is their strong suit. I'll give them credit for that. They are they're, they start off matches really well. They did it against Arsenal. Um, they've they've kind of gotten into the habit of starting off really fast and then and then not come uh, finishing the the match with that same energy. A lot of that has to do with Mourinho's style. And you know, I was uh, I was when uh, when Tottenham at the start of the season when Tottenham were playing really good football. I was praising Mourinho quite a bit. I thought, even though his tactics are uh, are controversial and he likes to quote unquote part the bus, it was working up to that point. And uh, you know, I thought he he deserves some credit for it. Tottenham last season really didn't look uh, didn't didn't look like a squad that was energized that really even wanted to be in contention for the European places. And you know, this season they they looked a lot different and. And now it's just it's same old Tottenham. It's it's me mediocrity mediocrity <laughs> at its finest right now, and uh, it's 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 the Kane and Son show. Without those two players, they're they're nothing. I mean, they're they're middle of the table, maybe not even finishing in the uh, in the European places. I think that's where we are right now with Tottenham. And on Saturday, or, uh, on uh, sorry, uh, this last week against Fulham. Uh, Son wasn't playing a very good match. He he really struggled and didn't make the same impact that he normally normally would. Uh, and and Kane, as as he always does, picked up the slack a little bit and did score a goal. But without Son, uh, they really struggled to to hem in Fulham and completely contain their attack. An attack that's not very good. That uh, you know is 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 not uh, considered to be one of the one of the top you know. Uh, attacking, Fulham are not an attacking side. That's that's I guess what I'm trying to say. And they're 18th in the table because of it. So to drop points to them is is a uh, is is a bad bad look for Mourinho. You know it's crazy to say he should be sacked, but um, you know similar to Chelsea, things are not trending in the right direction right now. And a lot of that, in my opinion, has to do with the style of play. If you want to park the bus, if if that's how you want to play, you want to just sit back. And uh, once you get an early goal, just sit back and and let the match play out on the defensive side because you're confident in your defenders. Then, but you you can't you can't play that way. I mean, it's the Premier League. You have to be aggressive, and no one should know that more than Jose Mourinho. So it was a surprise to me when against Fulham, basically after that first goal, they had you know six men at the back. Kane and Son were pressing forward. It it it's just not conducive to winning football. And as a result, they drop points. Fulham gets a goal in the 72nd minute, and uh, and comes away with a draw. Uh, they they've, they've you got to win those matches against bottom of the table sides if you want to get European competition. I mean that's that's the bottom line. Chelsea have to do it this weekend against Fulham. Um, so you know if if they drop points too, then maybe we're having a different discussion about Fulham actually being a better team than we once thought. But I don't think that's the case. I think Fulham are still. Uh, uh, one of the wor- worst sides in this year's Premier League campaign, and have no business grabbing a point off of Tottenham. It's just unacceptable uh, uh, from the Spurs side of things. I still rate Mourinho highly, and I still think uh, uh, Tottenham have a good enough squad to contend for the top four. But uh, but you know de- some some of it depends on what they do in the transfer market. They've been linked to to Diego Costa. They've been linked to some other forwards, and I think that would really help. But you take Kane or Enson out of that side, and it's it's mediocre. And that's what we've seen from Tottenham for the past couple of years. It was kind of masked 
or what what that squad really is was masked in some of their early results. But, you know, I'll go back to my prediction at the beginning of the season, which was, or my bold prediction, which was um, if if there's one side, one big six side that doesn't finish in the in um, in the European places, I think it's Tottenham. They simply don't have the the depth and the especially in the midfield the firepower to compete with a Man City and I thought an Arsenal and Arsenal are creeping up. I mean it's it's closer than you would think just by uh, by looking at the results. Arsenal right now twenty four points, Tottenham thirty. So definitely ground that that needs to be made up on an Arsenal on the Arsenal side of things. But uh, it's a certainly achievable goal. You know if I, I have to make a prediction about where Tottenham finished this season, I, I'd, I'd say fifth or sixth maybe. But I could definitely see them uh, dropping out of the European places if if uh, things don't change because they really, you know, the, the sitting back and, and the parking the bus tactic isn't working against these squads this year. It's worked sometimes for Mourinho in the past, but the book on, on Jose is that after one year, uh, teams figure it out, figure his style out, and are able to score on him. And uh, that might be happening this year. He's been at, at Tottenham for about a year now, and it seems like clubs are figuring him out. Something's got to change within that squad. Delhi leaving uh, isn't really going to be do anything. I think that's what all the, the majority of the transfer rumors have been focused on for Tottenham. But, you know, getting rid of Delhi isn't, isn't going to automatically make the squad better. They really, Daniel Levy has got to invest in the club this summer and get some midfield talent to add to that squad and supplement the uh, the attack with uh, Kane and Son. I mean, looking at the the rest of the Premier League right now, it's just so freaking close. I mean, 10 points separate 10th place West Ham and 1st place Man United. So, you know, in this in this uh, second half of the season about, you know, any, anything can happen and, and anything will happen. I think we're going to see a lot of unpredictable results and and possibly get a Southampton or maybe even an Aston Villa making their way into the top four. This is normally a period where uh, people like to make their their revised predictions, and I certainly have a lot of revising to do with mine. I said, I thought Chelsea. I mean, the the top my top four predictions are pretty much still intact. I had Chelsea, Man United, Man City, and Liverpool, and that can definitely still happen. What I didn't expect was was Leicester to be playing as good as they are. I didn't expect Man United to be competing for the title. Um, and, and I'll stick with my original title prediction, which is Man City. I just think, you know, once they hit their stride, they're one of those clubs that that is not going to stop until they inevitably get the title. Um, I, I mean, I know they've started off slow, but they've now won four straight. And, you know, when, when I'm looking at a, a title my title predictions, I always like to think how these clubs are going to fare against the other top four teams. And right now, I like Man City against Liverpool. I like Man City over Man United, and I like Man City over Leicester. So, you know, I'm going to say, uh, as of now, they're they're going to win the title. They have a game in hand right now, which always helps. They're sitting at 32 points behind Man United uh, with 36. So they're going to make up some ground with that game in hand. And as we come down the stretch, I just trust the the veteran experience of Man City with De Bruyne, um, and 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 uh, you know Sterling, who have been in these situations before, these tight title contention races down the stretch, 
um, compared to Man United, who haven't really been in a position like this since Alex Ferguson was the manager. Uh, you know, the, even the guys who have been with the club for a couple years now, like Marcus Rashford, have never quite been in this close of a title race um, and this close of a Premier League uh, to, to, to expand it out a little. Um, I think the Europa League spot probably goes to Tottenham. I'd have to give them the edge over Everton and Southampton at this moment. Um, but, you know, that's that's not a pick I'm confident about because Tottenham have been so unpredictable this season. And as I just talked about, they're slipping back into their normal ways, their normal uh, the normal mediocrity that, that we've become so accustomed to uh, at Spurs. And then um, relegation, I mean... I think I think West Brom will make a run to to stay up. Sam Allardyce has never been relegated before in the Premier League, and you know things aren't aren't exactly favoring West Brom in the relegation battle. But uh, I I think um, they'll they'll make a good push. Same with Fulham. It's going to be really close at the bottom too. You know Sheffield is definitely going down, even though they got their first win of the Premier League season against Newcastle one nil. But they still haven't looked like a club that that is going to stay in the Premier League. Uh, uh, for an extended period of time, and it's amazing because of how good they were last year, uh, finishing uh, near the in the top ten just a year ago. So, um, yeah, their their fall from grace has really been uh, been surprising to watch. You don't normally see like a second year club t- uh, take this this hard of a turn uh, towards the bottom. So yeah, relegation three. I'm gonna say Sheffield, West Brom, and Fulham. That's where the the table is right now. Um, I like Burnley to stay up. Same with Brighton. Brighton played a really, really good and competitive match against Wolves on the 2nd of January, 3-3. I thought it was one of the better matches of the season, and that really showed me that, that Brighton can pull this thing out because they went behind They went behind 3-1 in that match and were able to claw back into it uh, in, in a 3-3 draw. You know, they have some really good players, especially the young guys, Mope, uh, Lamptey, you know, some good players on that squad, and I think they're good enough to stay up. I think they they even could uh to could progress the table a little bit more. They're they're trying to work out uh you know some stylistic uh, differences between the players and Graham Potter. They haven't exactly found their full stride yet. Um, they're they're still trying to work things into you know work things from the training ground onto the pitch, and uh, for match days. So. That's definitely a squad that uh, that has a lot of work to do, but I think we'll stay up. Burnley will stay up. I think Newcastle will do enough. They haven't played well in recent weeks, but you know that's that's still an experienced side that uh, has been in relegation battles before, and I think we'll be able to to uh, to stay up. And then you know maybe Crystal Palace could drop a couple points here and there, but you know same with them. They have Zaha who who I don't see getting relegated. There he's he's too good of a player, and when uh, Crystal Palace needs someone to lean on. He's always there, so um, you know I think they'll win ma- enough matches to stay up. But yeah, those are my uh, those are my predictions for the rest of the Premier League season. We'll see uh, we'll we'll see what happens here. It's going to be so unpredictable. One of my other predictions I just remembered uh, was was a Bamiyang for Golden Boot. That obviously is not happening. I was very very wrong on that one. Uh, I apologize. Uh, that's probably one of my worst predictions that I've ever had. Uh, since I started uh, doing podcasts and writing about the Premier League. Yeah, I, I guess I just, I thought that he was, uh, that 
with what we've seen from Arsenal in previous seasons when they leaned on him so much to score goals that you know the same would be true this year especially after that that big time extension that he signed with the Gunners but uh yeah they've really just struggled to get him service so the goals haven't been coming and he's he's hardly scored any in open play this year in the Premier League so uh, the golden boot looks like Mo Salah, Harry Kane, maybe even Son will, will be in the mix for that it's it's another race that's going to come down to the wire as for the poll question of the week, I, was, I kind of I sent this out a, a while back, and uh, I kind of wanted to hear people's thoughts on which Premier League club had the most surprising success during 2020. So um, kind of going back to, I, I know we're in 2021 now, and we all want to put 2020 out of our minds, but um, you know there was a lot of surprises throughout the season, and this isn't even talking about COVID and and the the whole three month break, but uh, we saw a lot of clubs take a step up in in their form and in their level of play. So uh, the the four clubs that I thought were the most surprising to me were Wolves, Leicester, Southampton, and Burnley. And remember, this includes uh, last season, not just this season. So uh, forty two it was it was split between Leicester and Southampton. Forty two point nine percent of people said Leicester, and forty two point nine point nine percent of people said Southampton. So it seems pretty split between the two, and I definitely see why Leicester have reestablished themselves in the top four after finishing outside the top 10 just two years ago. Southampton, too, have, uh, have, have made a massive leap up in form this season. They have some really, really talented young stars on that squad, um, and, and, you know, they also have Danny Ings, who's been injured for most of this season, too, who, who's barely even playing, and they're still uh, having so much success without them, they're in seventh right now. I think they're going to make a, Euro, a, a Europa League push, um, and who knows, maybe even Champions League. It's going to be difficult though. But uh, yeah, I, I totally understand those two choices. Um, and and then Wolves and Burnley too. I think people forget that Burnley had a really great 2019-2020 campaign, and now that they're struggling, that's that's kind of out of people's minds. But even this season, they've pulled themselves out of the gutter. They were near the bottom of the table to start, and now they've moved all the way up into 16th place. So Burnley have also been on the rise. For, for a small town club, for a club with a relatively low budget, they've done a really good job to uh, keep out of relegation. And they have a, an, an incredible goalkeeper in Nick Pope, who has been brilliant for them this season. I think he doesn't get enough credit for, for what he does for that club. He's really their anchor, much like we saw with Dean Henderson last year for Sheffield. Once Henderson left, we've seen how Sheffield drops off, and if Pope were to leave and get signed possibly by a bigger club, then that would really hurt Burnley. But, you know, they, they that defense is still the brick wall of the Premier League, as they were termed last season. They're still uh, very strong, and it, it, they're going to keep them out of relegation. And then Wolves, too, have made some great strides behind uh, Nuno and, and Rui Patricio, uh, uh, another club that is on the rise, that just continues to get better, and have made some really good signings uh, over the past couple windows. We'll have to see what they do this winter, but uh, they're, they're always active in the transfer market, and you love to see that from from a, a smaller club compared to the Manchester Uniteds and the Chelsea's, who, are, you, who you know are always going to be active. But yeah, uh, those are the four clubs that I thought were most surprising, and it seems like you guys think Southampton and Leicester uh, uh, really shocked you guys uh, over the past uh, year in 2020. That is going to do it for this week's episode of The Upper 90. Thank you so much for listening. 
I'll be back next week and possibly with a co-host for the first time. Uh, I'm, I'm working on something now with uh, another WMUC sports podcaster to hopefully kind of merge our ideas and uh, get a co-host on this podcast because I'm sure you guys are tired of listening to just my opinions. Uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do with this podcast to try to make it a, a uh, multi-opinionated debate style thing because a lot of young Premier League fans don't really have an outlet to share their ideas. And, and uh, yeah, so hopefully next week I'll have a co-host and uh, we can just continue to expand this podcast to new heights. To stay up to date on all of the new episodes for the Upper 90 and all of the poll questions that I put out every week, you can follow me on Twitter at Culp underscore Sam. You can also follow WMUC Sports at WMUC Sports. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.